Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, uh, at long last, we've been trying to record this episode all week. Uh, We are here to recap bowls, and the people might be asking, why did it take all week to get this recorded? To which the answer is basically partially related to the the question of, how are you doing right now? Yeah, I... uh the more pressing topic was, you know, was I going to have food to eat sort of thing? (laughs) Like it was, so I live in Virginia for those of you who haven't been listening too, too long to this podcast. I live in Virginia and Mm -hmm. we got absolutely dumped on with snow on Monday. Uh, I lost power Monday morning. Uh, We got 15 inches of snow in Fredericksburg where I live in like 12 hours or something, wasn't it? Yeah, even even less than that, I think. Uh, it was raining, kind of raining, like in the middle of the night, and then it quickly changed over to sleet and then snow, and it was snowing at a rate of two to three inches an hour mid-morning. So uh, we were getting absolutely dumped on the snow. Uh, the Virginia Department of Transportation couldn't treat the roads because it was raining so hard in the middle of the night that anything they would have put down ahead of the snowstorm would have just washed away. So they basically got caught with their pants down, and... I'm sure some of saw it on the news. Um, there was a stretch of 95 in Virginia that was closed for about 60 miles for about 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And that was right near where I lived. I was not caught in the traffic, thankfully, but I lost power Monday morning and didn't get it back till Wednesday night. So I have been hopping from place to place. Uh, my parents do not live too far away. They live about 25 miles north of where I live, but couldn't get up the highway and all the back roads were closed because we got 15 inches of snow and the road crews couldn't treat it. Kate's parents live about 10 minutes from us, but they didn't have power and we couldn't really get downtown Fredericksburg either because the snow was so bad on even the main roads. So we were kind of stuck all day Monday. We we're definitely stuck all day Monday. We dug ourselves out on Tuesday when the weather was a little bit better and we couldn't really get anywhere. Um, we eventually made our way downtown. My buddy Colin, shout out Colin, let me stay at his house downtown Fredericksburg. He never lost power, thankfully. Hi, Colin. So, what's up, Colin? <laughs> so, yeah, ended up downtown uh, on Tuesday night and actually made it up to my parents on Wednesday when the roads were a little bit better and we still didn't have power, but finally got the power back Wednesday night. Uh, but it has been a crazy, crazy week. I'm thankful I have family and friends nearby to help us out. Otherwise, Kate and I would have been scrambling because all the hotels were full as well. Like we tried going that route. That didn't work out. So it was a mess. But got power back, got internet back. Now I'm ready to talk bowl games. There we go. So, yeah, I mean, basically what it all really, really boils down to, Mike, in the 
absolute perfect tradition of this podcast is technical difficulties. It's just Bingo. there's a there's a lot of context involved in those technical difficulties beyond us just not knowing how to use our computers. So right. I mean, people were asked, like, my, my boss asked me, you know, how you holding up? I sent him the R. Kelly meme of, you know, I'm fighting for my effing life. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I sent him. So kind of gives you an idea. Yeah. It was, we, we came back to our apartment Wednesday, Wednesday morning because the apartment complex asked us to open the faucets so the pipes wouldn't freeze because we still didn't have power Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. And when we walked into our apartment Wednesday morning, it was 51 degrees. And yeah, that's kind of where I draw the line. Oh, we ran out of hot water, too. no hot water. So we were like, we definitely can't stay here. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of value staying there at that point. No, not at all. Well, I, I am glad that you found some warmth. Uh, I'm glad that your power is back on and things are not fully resolved, but, uh, you know, being more better. resolved by the day. So, yeah, better, better here as we record on Friday afternoon. Very good. Very good. Uh, Mike, we do have bowl games to recap. We have six of them. Before we do that, um, we wanted to go ahead and, and put this out there. So this is something, Mike, that we wanted to we wanted to kind of you know make a little bit of an announcement um, of sorts. Um, and this is something that we have alluded to uh, over the last couple of months, once or twice, um, talking about our plans for the off season. And um, specifically, what we said was that we we need folks that are listening to this show to help us out and. It's funny mentioning, you know, that we said that kind of almost in passing. And I don't know about you, Mike, but I had like three or four people reach out and say, hey, how can I help? Like, hey, what can I do? Um, which was really awesome. Really cool. Um, so, Mike, the idea that we had and what we want to do basically comes back to this thing that we talk about from time to time on the podcast of I'm a Georgia Tech guy. I, I went to school there. I'm an alumnus of the school uh, and, and all that. Mike, you're a Virginia Tech guy. You went there, alumnus of the school, you know, you know, the school inside and out, the program, all that. Um, but we don't really have that level of intimate knowledge of the other 12 programs within the ACC. And so what we had talked about trying to do in this offseason was bring on a few listeners throughout the offseason as we try to have you what we're going to call it is probably tell us about your school. So, you know, we, we felt like that would be a good way, you know, that you could give us some additional insights. You know, what are the traditions that you have? Um, you know, tell us about some of the history that we don't know. Tell us about why does your program operate the way it does? You know, what is what is the budget really like? What are the politics behind the program? You know, all of these things that I think, you know, you, you can really get familiar with when you're up close and personal as a fan of a program that we just don't really have the capacity in our day-to-day lives to do. And I think it could be a really cool educational experience uh, for the other listeners of the show that want to learn more about some of these programs. Uh, yeah, definitely. So like Joey mentioned, there's, you know, we just don't have the intimate knowledge for a lot of these schools. Now we can talk about the football programs themselves in any given season. Joey and I try to do that to the best of our ability. And I think for the most part, we've done a pretty good job. You know, we've got a great listenership and a really interactive fan base of the podcast, but we might may not necessarily have that intimate knowledge of each program from A to Z. Why do schools operate the way that they do? We simply don't have that knowledge. So we're, you know, calling out alums or fans of the school, you know, people who have the knowledge, the deep in-depth knowledge of each university we cover, right? Mm-hmm. We need to, we need you. 
right? We need you this offseason because Joey and I think this offseason series here during the dead period of college football can be a hit, right? We think that it would be informative for people listening. Mm-hmm. You know, people can look at the conference during the actual football season through a different lens, especially when you evaluate the state of a given program, the coaches, right? You know, why didn't that coach, why, why didn't that school fire their coach as quickly as a lot of people thought, right? Mm-hmm. And why is, why is the buyout so huge? What are the politics within an athletic department? You know, why does the school operate the way that they do? We want to try to answer those types of questions. So mm-hmm. If you think that you have in-depth knowledge of a university that either you attended or have been a fan of for a really, really long time, Reach out to us by email. Joey, what's our email? Basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Or hit us hit us up in the DMs, right? On DMs Twitter. Are open. Show account, my account, Joey's account. We always shout that out at, at the end of each show. So you can reach us. We are responsive in our individual DMs. We're responsive in our show DMs. We're responsive by email. So mm-hmm. any way you can reach us, reach out that way. We'll, we'll check them all. Yep, absolutely. I was, I was going to say, you know, that's what we need from you. Let us know if you're interested. And, and by the way, this isn't like a quiz show where, you know, you're going to be punished if you don't know things, you know. Um, but, you know, just if you feel like you have a really good grip on not only, you know, what the program is today, how some of it functions, as well as kind of where it's been in the past and, and how it's kind of made it into what it is today. That's what we are looking to uh to try to get a little better understanding of, you know, not only for Mike and myself, but also, you know, hopefully some of the listeners from other schools. So um, we know we have listeners from a number of uh, that are fans of a number of different schools around the conference. I don't know, Mike, truthfully, if we're going to really be able to hit all of them. Uh, I can think of one or two schools in particular where I'm not sure that we have, uh, you know, a a heavy listenership. We have enough trouble finding beat writers for these schools. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, But there are, you know, several schools I know that we get DMs from, that we have people that interact with us, so we know they're listening. Um, so if you're someone, you know, probably one of those listeners or somebody that um, really feels like you you have a good grip on kind of what the program is, why it's that way, how it got there, we'd love to hear from you. So like like we said, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com is the email address, or hit us up in our well, DMs. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so that's our plan. You know, we want to bring on people to tell us about your school, uh, so we can, you know, educate ourselves and the masses a little better this off season. So, um, if you're interested in that, let us know. I I don't know when necessarily we'll start recording that. It probably has to do with when people are available to start recording them. Um, I don't know that we have enormous plans, you know, from here for the next several months, (laughs) Mike, that, uh, would potentially interfere with, with those recordings, you know, so we are we are open to it as we're able to get to it. So let us know if you're willing to help, and we would uh, we'd love to have you on. Yep. And you know what? I'll I'll just say this too: if you're willing to help and, and talk about Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech, hell, we might even do one of those. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, let's just throw it out to the heavens and let's see what what drops down to us. Everyone, know? everyone is uh, ready to learn. I guess we'll yeah. see. Yeah, we'll just see. We'll just see. There you go. All right. So come tell us about your school. Let us know. Uh, Mike, let's talk about some bowl games here. And as we get into that, we got to remind the people that all these bowl recaps are brought to you by Section103.com. Mike, you know about Section103. I, I do. We um, it's, it's fun. I actually had a softball game last night, and uh, the weather was quickly cooling off here in Houston. And somebody texted our little group chat and said, hey, uh, you know, Joey, can you bring me a sweatshirt? 
you know, something to wear. Um, I'm really far from home. You know, can you bring me a sweatshirt that, that might fit? I was like, yeah, sure. And I looked around and Mike, there was only one sweatshirt in my closet that I thought was appropriate. It was my gold tech hoodie from section 103.com. He put it on Mike and immediately he was like, whoo, this is comfortable. It's warm. And I told him he looks great. He's not even a Georgia Tech alumnus. He loved it, Mike. He, he loved it. So, Hell yeah. Section103.com, they make all sorts of great things. Uh, they, they use the official tech gold in their T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. Uh, they've got official word marks. They've got that ATL logo. You can't really find that anywhere else on clothing. Um, things for men, for women, for children. Uh, they've got some basketball wear. They've had a volleyball shirt that came out. Um, all sorts of things, you know, for supporting Georgia Tech in particular, go check them out. Section 103.com use promo code go ACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, Mike, really great products. We really appreciate them. Thank you to Steven for your partnership all season long. Um, we, uh, yeah, good stuff. I wore my Bobby Dodd is my happy place shirt to the gym yesterday. It's a comfy shirt. It is very, very comfortable. That, good gym shirt. It's gray. It's so soft. So soft. Yeah. So comfortable. Looks good. It's really cool. I, I love nice it. To work, nice to work out in. Nice to lounge around in. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're looking for. Absolutely. So if you've got Georgia Tech fans in your life or you just need something to work out in, go to section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Thank you to Steven and the gang for their partnership. Mike, bowl, bowl games. games? Uh, we we had ten. Now we have six to recap. How did that happen, Joe? Uh, well, to start, Boston College East Carolina got canceled. Uh, I believe that mm-hmm. was after we uh, recorded that preview. Yep. Uh, NC State UCLA got canceled uh, a few hours before the game in a uh, yep. pretty brutal and uh, irritating turn of events, as it were. Um, yes. Seems like UCLA kind of knew this and then kind of withheld that information and was basically already gone by the time NC State even found out about that. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, Virginia and SMU in the Fenway Bowl got canceled. I believe Virginia had uh, some pretty substantial COVID issues there. Uh, and then in the Sun Bowl, Miami had to drop out, which made way for Central Michigan to jump in. And I believe they beat Wazoo, if I'm not mistaken. They did. So, uh, but really, I think almost more importantly, Mike, that kind of in a way, well, no, never mind. That did not ruin the uh, Barstool Bowl. That was ruined anyways. But, um, (laughs) you know, turns out Central Michigan chose to play in the Sun Bowl before Wazoo chose to play in the Barstool Bowl because there's about a 10x payout difference. Yeah, there's a 10x payout difference. And Boise, I guess the whole issue with the Barstool Bowl, Barstool Bowl, wow, it's a mouthful, sorry, is that. Boise couldn't play in it anymore. And then Central Michigan was looking for an opponent. And then the Sun Bowl was looking for an opponent. Central Michigan said, wait a second, we can make more money over here. Mm-hmm. So that's where they went. And there was no Barstool Bowl. So peace out. See you later. I understand it. Yep. But anyways, yeah. So Boston College, NC State, Virginia, and Miami all uh, were, for one reason or another, unable to play their particular bowl contests. So that's how we got from 10 to 6, Mike. Um but let's start with the six. Let's uh, let's work through these chronologically, just from from uh, first game to last game. Uh, let's start with the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl from December the twenty eighth. The Air Force Falcons. Sorry, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The call. Thirty one. The Louisville Cardinals twenty eight. Um, this was a game. <laughs> this is one of the most obscene stat lines I think I've ever seen. Not just from an option quarterback, but maybe just from a quarterback in general. Yeah. 
Air Force quarterback Hazik Daniels, 9 of 10 for 252 yards and two scores in this game. (laughs) Good Lord. Louisville. Yo, Louisville. That ain't it. Yeah. Louisville uh, clearly was, you know, pretty selling out to uh, stop the run here, which in a lot of ways makes sense. Again, option offense, but man, uh, he averaged 25 yards an attempt, Mike. Uh, Everything going over the top was getting caught and going for lots and lots of yardage. Um, So this was a game, I I will say this, kind of disappointing from Louisville. They, They played a lot better in the second half. They did. But the other thing was Air Force went up in this game 14 to nothing. And I think that was around the time that you, me, and Scott were texting like, uh-oh. We all live bet it. Louisville's quitting here. Uh, Air Force going to win this by, I think it was like seven and a half or something that we got it at. And uh, to Louisville's credit, they kept playing. Um, they kept playing. And uh, Malik Cunningham ended up having a pretty decent day. Uh, he he only added 63 yards on the ground. But, you know, 207 and a touchdown through the air. Uh, yep. 63 yards. Over five yards. Over five yards to carry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, even with, uh, you know, a little bit of sack yardage built in there, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, credit to Louisville. I mean, from that point that it was 14 to nothing, it, it, it ended up going, you know, 28 to 17, you know. So, they stayed in this game. Um, they scored a touchdown late to make it a three-point game, and then Air Force was able to uh, recover an onside kick and put the game away. Um, so, you know, a little bit of credit to Louisville for, for fighting back the way that they did, but it's not the best look for Scott Satterfield, you know, losing this game the way that he did after losing the Kentucky game, the way that he did. Yeah. I think this, to me, that's the real big takeaway here is we talked about it a little bit going into the Kentucky game, but like this sets the narrative for him going into the offseason, and it's not good. Yeah. And now he's got to win immediately for a new boss, right? Because mm-hmm. Vince Tyra is no longer the athletic director at Louisville. The mm-hmm. guy who hired him is not there. He now has a new boss, and Louisville is in a position now as a football program where they have now regressed in the last two seasons since Scott Satterfield's first season, which was an overwhelming success. Mm-hmm. So the defense looked horrible. Uh, I believe the exact text exchange was. Uh, to me, it was from me to you and Scott. And I said, Hey guys, Louisville doesn't want to be there. Let's live bet the Cardinals or I'm sorry. Let's live bet the Falcons, uh, to cover. I believe it was seven and a half, uh, to cover against the Cardinals. And Mm -hmm. what happened? Well, air force was leading comfortably air force scores, you know, scores a ton of points in the second quarter. I think they scored 21 points in the second quarter. They had a 28 to 14 lead at the half. Um, they were cruising right along Louisville with that garbage time touchdown covered the spread. Uh, made it a bit more competitive than it actually was if you're just looking at the scoreboard. But the bottom line is Louisville's defense could not defend Air Force's passing attack. Air Force, Joey. They could not defend the pass against Air Force. Are you kidding me? I I cannot stress enough how ridiculous it is that Air Force attempted 10 passes and came up with 252 yards. And, yo, that that ain't it. Like, that that is not... That is not it. Louisville. Man, and there was like, one of those. It was a long touchdown where the, the receiver dodged two tacklers that were in perfect position to tackle him with just a couple of jukes. I mean, made him look yeah. silly. Like, and, and I'll and I'll say this, too, about Scott Satterfield. You know, I, I have never been a college football coach, but one of the things I recommend if I want to keep my job moving forward is to not give up 252 yards and a 90% completion percentage against a team that predominantly runs the option. Mm-hmm. I, I would recommend not doing that. That seems like a bad idea. 
That's just a thought. I know. I, oh my god. Yeah. That ain't it. Total mess for Louisville. Um, at yeah. least you know on defense. At least in the first half, we'll say yeah, the defense. Their defense need to call the first responders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were on fire. That's that's yeah for sure. Um, His seats on fire, by the way. Yeah. I mean, Louisville only had the ball three times in the second half of this game. That's kind of wild. Um, but I mean, two touchdowns course, and three possessions. I mean, Air Force had a 17 play, 66 yard, nine and a half minute drive to start the fourth quarter that ended in a field goal. That's is, that's sicko, sicko mode territory. Excellent. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Louisville also had a 14 play, 78 yard, six minute and 50 second drive that ended in a turnover on downs in this game. So. Yeah, you chewed up a lot of game clock uh, without accomplishing a whole lot on the scoreboard, and that's that's how you'll end up with a score like this. So, yep, uh, I think that's all I've got here, Mike. Anything else? No, that's about it. I mean, looking forward to next fall. Louisville needs to get it together quickly, or yeah. else they're going to be looking for a new head coach. Because I think, just considering the situation with the new athletic director, the fact that the Satterfield experience has been regressing since year one on a pretty consistent basis. And now you're going into year four. Just a lot of, I'm sorry, a lot of parallels to Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, had a really nice start to his tenure, then flirted with another job. And now his teams aren't any good. And the only thing that's different is now he's got a new athletic director to report to. Yeah. They just, I don't know. There, there's, there's some things I think that historically there's a, uh, there's a script or a uh, playbook for winning at Louisville. And for the most part, he's not following it. And yep. this is kind of where you end up. Is it? It might not matter how good of a football coach you are if you know it's not. A, it's not a fit at this program. So, oh well. We will. Uh, we'll continue to monitor that. I, I think I know where this is headed, but you know I've been surprised before, so we'll see. Air Force thirty-one. Sorry, the Falcons thirty-one. Uh, the Louisville Cardinals twenty-eight. Let's keep moving here, Mike, to December 29th. And we the, not <laughs> well, the cheese it bowl. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, that's better. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. We'll do it that way. We'll start there. Uh, okay, that's better. The number 19 Clemson Tigers, 20, the Iowa state Cyclones, 13. Um, I, this was a good game. It was fun. And you could tell how excited Clemson was to win it the way that they did. Yeah. Um, it was not the cleanest played game. You might say, but ultimately, I mean, Clemson's defense was really pretty stifling for Iowa State. I mean, the, the Cyclones yeah. end up with 270 yards of offense. Of the 13 points they scored, uh, three of them were on a field goal on a drive that went no yards after a DJ Uyunglele uh, interception. Um, you know, they, they struggled to move the ball the entire game. They had 14 first downs. They went 6 of 15 on third down. Um, you know, just, just not a great offensive day for Iowa State thanks to Clemson's defense. And that was really the story here, I think, as uh, Clemson wasn't particularly prolific on offense either. Yeah, the reason why I locked up Clemson when we were previewing the Cheez-It Bowl is because I thought Brock Purdy would have a really, really untimely turnover. Mm-hmm. And let's fast forward to the middle of the third quarter. It's 13-3, to Clemson, and pick six. There mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> and I watched that happen, and you know what I said, Joey? There it is. Right on. There it is. Right on schedule. <laughs> and Clemson went up twenty to three. And no Iowa State. You know, they kicked a field goal. They scored a touchdown there in the fourth quarter uh, to, to make the score look a little bit more appetizing. But this was a pretty dominant Clemson performance here, and the offense was not very good. Uh, Kate Klubnik's coming in. 
as a freshman quarterback, five-star for Clemson. I think there's a pretty decent chance he could be the starter next year because DJ Uyangalale is, I mean, he just did never progress this year at all. And it was a really disappointing year after kind of the promise that he showed in 2020 with some of his performances when Trevor Lawrence was in the COVID protocol. Mm -hmm. And he just never really kind of lived up to the hype that a five-star quarterback uh, brings along with him. Right. And he kind of looked every bit the part of it. It was like, okay, they're going to be same old Clemson. Well, Clemson won 10 games in spite of him. Right. Mm -hmm. And they had a really good defense and the running game got better as the year went along. And the passing game was just kind of so, so all year. And a lot of times it was more bad than it was mediocre. Um, But the, the rushing off the rushing part of their offense got better as the year went along. Uh, the running game did well for them here in getting this win. Um, but Clemson, behind a really strong defense, won 10 games in a down year. Mm-hmm. So if that's going to be your off year, that is, that's fine. Yeah. Credit to them. I mean, yeah, it's if that's as bad as it gets, like, doing okay. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. I mean, we, we've talked before, though, about the the number of coaching changes happening right now on this staff that had otherwise been almost entirely consistent for this entire run that they've been on. Yep. You know, this is, this is the inflection point to me of either sure. Like Dabo is definitively like one of the best coaches in college football and program builders and all that. And Clemson's just going to keep on being what they've been under him. Or maybe they come back down to earth a little bit and, you know, now they're only, you know, uh, going 10 and two every year instead of 12 and 0, you know, like, right. So it's, it's possible. It's possible. Yep. Um, did you see how this game ended by the way? How did it end Joey? Uh, so Iowa state gets the ball back with about a minute and 41 left, Mm -hmm. uh, needing to drive down, trying to, uh, trying to go tie the game. They're only down a touchdown. Uh, they, they, they pick up a first down. Uh, yeah. They pick up a first down uh, at the, at their own 28 yard lines. They're still on their own into the field. Second timely turnover. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, it's, it's fourth and two at their own 36. Brock Purdy goes back to pass, uh, scrambles. He's like two or three steps uh, past the first down line. I'm like, sorry. Definitively Just... has a first down. And then uh, somebody like put their helmet on the ball or, or something like that. Somebody knocked the ball out. Kind of flailed backwards a little bit. It goes backwards, and Brock Purdy goes back and jumps on it, and now he's back behind the first down line. And that's a turnover on downs, Mike. <laughs> that is how you lose the game. And Brock Purdy has had so many of those plays in his career where everybody's like, you know what, Brock Purdy, you know, you, you see these passes he makes, you're like, mm-hmm. man, he's really good. And then he makes a play like that or the pick six. And mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, that's that's why Iowa State seven six instead of like Big Twelve champion Iowa State, which is uh, what a lot of people pick them to be coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure about Brock Purdy, but you know, no, I, I'm and people were like questioning Matt Campbell. I'm like, I'm a bit more comfortable with Matt Campbell than I am Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The two of them moving on from one another might be in everybody's best interest. Maybe not the worst thing, yeah, at this point. Yeah, right. So, anyways, that's all I got here, Mike. Good for Clemson. You don't want to draw this out another, like, four or five minutes so we can avoid talking about Virginia Tech? Ah, yeah, you know what? I felt like I did my best delaying the inevitable talking about Virginia Tech by having a huge, you know, snowstorm come in, lose power, (laughs) you know, not have 
any way to record for three days. I thought that prolonged it enough. So we can finally talk about Virginia Tech. It was either uh, talk about Virginia Tech's bowl game or run the weather machine. And uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, good deal. The weather machine, the weather machine would have played better defense. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that then. Uh, Clemson 20, Iowa State 13. Clemson wins the cheese it Bowl. Uh, that also broke an ACC Bowl losing streak that went back to like 2019, by the way. So that's, you know, good stuff there. Good Lord. Uh, it actually turns out that that streak included the New Era Pinstripe Bowl earlier in the day where the uh, Maryland Terrapins 54, <laughs> the Virginia Tech Hokies less than 54. Uh, only about 10 points on that game. Mike, how we feel about this? Uh, I mean, to be to be totally transparent, it was kind of I, I Virginia Tech didn't feel the head of roster. Like I want to mm-hmm. just be excuse making here, but like nobody on the two D play in this game really. I mean, they had a handful of starters, like period, not mm-hmm. even just like on one side of the ball or the other, like a handful of starters period that played, and then. Most of the two deep either opted out or, you know, had, you know, some sort of illness, you know, non-COVID related or was just seeing an injury, what have you. Um, I mean, so, so the roster that Virginia Tech put on the field in this game just was not a very competitive one. I mean, I, it, it's fun for the memes that Virginia Tech lost this game by 44 points, but anybody who has been paying attention to college football this season. And you look at Maryland season, you look at Virginia tech season knows that like at full strength, Maryland is not 44 points better than Virginia tech. No. Like, could, could Maryland beat Virginia tech? Of course they could. Right. Could Virginia tech have beaten Maryland full strength? Of course they could. But I, I think we all know that the 44 point outcome here. Uh, it's not really a fair indication of one team being outright better than the other. It's just they had more warm bodies that day, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I don't really take too much from this other than Virginia Tech needs a quarterback real bad. And as we sit here recording this, they just got two out of the transfer portal and Jason Brown, a transfer from South Carolina, grad transfer, and Grant Wells, who was not a grad transfer, but he is transferring over from Marshall, uh, where he had a pretty good freshman year there so you know reinforcements are coming are coming and whatever virginia tech puts out there quarterback next year will be infinitely better than whatever the hell i just watched over the last four months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean if you just just go look at like the the stat sheet for virginia tech's quarterbacks this year uh not great not great no, um not not even good yeah <laughs> and especially not even with good. braxton burmeister gone like you needed almost just needed like warm bodies to come in there and play quarterback. Like really? Yeah. Um, yeah, not, not great for the Hokies. I, my only thought on this game, Mike was, uh, I picked the Hokies to win this game outright on the preview, <laughs> um, which was just a slight mistake that I realized at some point, uh, in the middle of the second quarter as, uh, you know, Maryland has run a punt back for a touchdown and then, uh, you know, has a 70 yard touchdown and, a. You know, they, they scored a lot in this game. Um, yeah. But the thing that I think I, uh, I miscalculated was that roster quality, because a lot of these names that were being said on the broadcast and guys that were doing things are like, oh, I've never even heard of that guy. That, that's that got to be a freshman. That's got to be a walk on. Like, 
yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech brought a knife to a gunfight in this game from a uh, yes. from a roster standpoint, and uh, if I had known that, I would not have picked him. Um, you know, love J.C. Price as they might. There's only so hard that you're going to play for him uh, if if you're just not gifted with talent by God. So right, correct. That's correct. <laughs> that so, is correct. Yeah, not great. Uh, I don't know if you also saw. By the way, this is really funny uh, in a sadistic way. Was uh, Brent Pry new head coach for? <sighs> Uh, yeah. went on the broadcast and uh, gave an interview and while giving an interview was when Maryland hit this big long touchdown yeah 70 yard <laughs> touchdown while he was talking about you know the hard nosed defense that Virginia Tech was going to play he's watching a 70 yard touchdown evolve right in front of his own eyes and it's just like oh my god it was hilariously awkward um, I, and I know we'll you know we'll do bowl previews like six months I'm sorry bowl previews we'll do season previews like six months from now but Joey, Virginia Tech's schedule is so easy next year, and even with that, it's going to be really, really hard to pick them to win six games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going to be real difficult. Might be a little bit of a rebuild, but then uh, again, yes. then again, like tough to pick them to win six games might describe a good number of coastal teams next year. And when you play <laughs> these games, somebody's got to win them, Mike. So, play dumb games, win dumb prizes. That's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, long and short of it. Maryland kicked the ex- ever-loving crap out of Virginia Tech in this game, but it wasn't yeah. really the Virginia Tech that we uh, we knew or maybe thought might be playing in this game. So you know, it was somehow a worse version of it. <laughs> I would so I would just sort it's of shrug my shoulders and say whatever if it were me and I was a yeah. fan. So yeah, just smile, have a couple beers, and move on. Yep, you got a new. Coach I saw coming. Virginia Tech. I, I saw Virginia Tech fans who were actually angry at like the outcome of the game. Like, what's wrong with you people? Like this, it is what it is. New coach isn't coming. This this is done. We're done with this, dude. If if you traveled to New York to go watch a what December twenty ninth bowl game in an outdoor baseball stadium, you get whatever you deserve, man. Like <laughs> I totally, I totally agree. I just no interest for me. Yeah, no interest. Have fun with that. Uh, Maryland fifty four, Virginia Tech ten. Uh, let's keep moving, Mike, to December the thirtieth. Uh, we'll start off with the Duke's Mayo Bowl, where the South Carolina Gamecocks won 38 to 21 over the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, North Carolina, brutal showing on defense here. Uh, South Carolina was running this like, you know, kind of uh, quarterback swap system using uh, Zeb Noland and like a former what wide receiver slash running back to carry in Joyner, who was a high school quarterback. <laughs> And lined up at quarterback in this game and then went nine of nine for 160 yards and a touchdown and ran for 64 yards. And Jay Jay Bateman, you're fired. Yeah, dude, this was fired, sir. This is a pretty brutal defensive performance for North Carolina altogether. Uh, They gave up almost 550 yards of offense in this game. And yeah, Mike, like you said earlier today, as we record this on uh, Friday, this January the 7th, uh, Jay Bateman was relieved of his duties as North Carolina's defensive coordinator. Um, I saw our friend Kelly Quinlan tweet out that this is the least surprising move of uh, coaching season so far. And uh, I, I think I agree with that to the point that I think I would have been much, much more surprised if it hadn't happened. Um, right. It has not worked out. That defense has not really gotten a whole lot of any better since he's been there. And uh, this is just another example of, uh, you know, some defensive incompetence, we'll say. Yeah, maybe he'll go back to a service academy and have a really good defense there. With an offense, it makes a little bit more sense for the defense that he runs. It's just, this isn't as much of a Jay Bateman problem as it is just a total schematic issue, I think, for mm-hmm. Carolina. Now, 
is Jay Bateman at fault for how Carolina's defense has performed? Of course he is, right? Of course he is. Mm -hmm. But I don't think he's a bad defensive coordinator. I think there are a lot of other elements at work here. So that's my my two cents. As far as the actual game is concerned, if you're letting a converted quarterback complete all nine of his passes for 160 yards and a touchdown, like... That is a major issue. That is a fireable offense. So I understand why Carolina elected to move in a different direction. Mm-hmm. There is not a single school in the entire college football landscape that college football experts were more wrong about than North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, myself included. People were, yeah, but I mean, I even thought they would. I mean, I didn't pick them to win the Coastal. I picked Miami, which was even more wrong, but a little bit more correct than picking North Carolina somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, I even thought that Carolina would win like eight or nine games. I didn't think they would be quite as bad as they were. I just thought that talk about them potentially making a playoff, which was out there in the preseason, talk about them winning 10 or 11 games. I just didn't see it. Uh, the, the fact that they were being referred to as a defense that could be in the top 20 nationally this mm-hmm. year was absurd to me. Um, the, the notion that, they would be able to bring in Ty Chandler running back and replace not one, but two 1,000 yard rushers, I thought was a leap. And then the receiving core never evolved outside of Josh Downs all year, mm-hmm. never evolved. I mean, it was, and, and Sam Howell had a very good year considering the, the weapons there or lack of weapons that he had. Um, he had a very good year, you know, uh, under the circumstances, but the team as a whole was, was real bad. You know, we know Sam Howell now, of course, moving on to the NFL. He announced that shortly after the bowl game, but, This is, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that South Carolina was going to play against North Carolina in the Belk Bowl and beat them by 17 points, we would have thought that you were smoking something, right? Yeah. How how did this even happen? South Carolina, first year head coach, no expectations. I think their win total in Vegas was two and a half or three, right? Mm -hmm. And they go into the Belk Bowl and beat Carolina, a preseason top 10 team, by 17 points in a game that really, quite honestly, wasn't even that competitive. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, come on. This is, and I got some, I got some questions too about Mac Brown. They are recruited great at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's not their problem. They're recruited. They're the shiny, you know, shiny toy. They got the cool uniforms, all that. But the coaching is a problem right now. Yeah. And you wonder if there's another year of this, you know, maybe they don't fire Mac Brown, but maybe it's like a forced retirement situation where they, mm-hmm. they try to move in a little bit different direction or tweak some things because man, this is just, which, not what anybody thought. I mean, that's that's kind of it's it's hard to imagine given like the fanfare and the, the level of excitement I think there was in that alumni base and everybody when when he was brought in. And yet, like, yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, it looks great on a stat sheet from a, uh, you know, from a recruiting standpoint. But like translating that into results in the field has not gone well at all. Um, by the way, Sam Howell finishes this year being sacked. Uh, let me check the number one more time. 49 times. Uh, that is third worst in the country. Um, only Liberty and Akron Oops. gave up more sacks this year than North Carolina did. Yeah, and that's bad. Mike, in 2020, they were bottom 10 in the country in sacks allowed. And in 2019, Sam Howell's freshman year, if it will load, I'm sure it wasn't a very good ranking either. Let's just say that. Um, right. Yeah, Sam Howell, I, I don't know, man. Like, there hasn't been development there. He hadn't gotten any better, I don't think. Um, and and like you said, I mean, the, the receiving core, it's been Josh Downs or nothing, it feels like, all year. And I just 
this is probably the team in the in the ACC that I am the most disappointed by. You know, from preseason expectations to what ended up happening on the field, like man, it's it's not great, and it's not just it's not just the defense. Like the offense has been problematic too, and I mean. I don't know. Like the way that this all kind of came to be in this this game in particular, like it's concerning to me. It's concerning. And yeah, I, it's I, not good. I, I tend to think that if you're a North Carolina fan listening to this, you're not a uh, you're not yelling at your radio saying, "Well, I'm not concerned." Like I'm guessing you're concerned too. So right, right. Like yeah. be honest with yourself. Like going six and seven when you were preseason top ten is concerning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like next year is. Uh, Pretty, pretty much definitely going to be a put-up-or-shut-up year for, for Mac Brown. <laughs> Who like, the hell is winning the Coastal? I have no idea. Uh, you've got like four new coaches with seven programs. You've got a Georgia Tech team that might should have a new coach by now, but doesn't. Um, right. A Duke team with you know was one of those new coaches. Like, yeah, I have no idea. I have no clue. Um, it'll be interesting, though. I mean, you know, Miami and North Carolina will be the two most talented teams in the division for sure. We'll just we'll have to see if if uh, you know maybe North Carolina can make it happen next year. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, anything else here, Mike? No, I think we're good. Yeah, South Carolina thirty-eight, North Carolina twenty-one. In the shout Mayo out Shane Beamer, baby. Shout out Shane Beamer. He took that Mayo bath. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I wish that were like a euphemism or something. It's not. It just they <laughs> literally filled the cooler with mayo and dumped it on him. That's a we're thing. Gonna that that. We're gonna leave that. Yeah, we're gonna leave that alone. <laughs> uh, the Peach Bowl, Mike, on the evening of the thirtieth, uh, Michigan State, the number ten Spartans, thirty-one. The number Saint twelve, Nick Patty. Yeah, the number twelve Pitt Panthers, twenty-one. Uh, Pitt loses this game by ten, but if all you see is the final score. That does not tell you the, the whole story at all. Um, now, I was well, I mean, so first of all, let's start here. So Kenny Pickett doesn't play for Pittsburgh. Um, I don't think I blame him. It whether I agree with this or not, somebody's probably going to take him in the first round or so of the NFL draft. Um, so, yeah, protect yourself. Don't get hurt. Because what happens sometimes, Mike, is then your backup goes out there, throws five passes and does get hurt. Breaks his collarbone breaks his collarbone and now third stringer davis bevil bevel 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 i think bevel bevel i don't know it could be anything davis bevel uh third stringer comes in and by the way mike he just casually went 14 of 18 for 149 and a touchdown uh yep he did also have a pick which uh was you know kind of a meaningful one towards the end of the game it was yeah definitely was um but yeah pit pit got out to a 21 to 10 lead at halftime in this game um, and, and largely seemed to be in control all through the second half. And then Michigan State in the fourth quarter just went on a tear, basically. Uh, they had three drives. Uh, well, two drives, really. Went 13 plays, 70 yards, touchdown. 11 plays, 71 yards, touchdown. Took a three-point lead. And then on the ensuing drive, Pitt is in field goal territory, uh, ready to kick a field goal and tie the game, You know, maybe send it to overtime. And Davis Bevel uh, picked that moment to throw a pick that ran was run all the way back for a touchdown uh, by Michigan yeah. State's defense, and that's how the Spartans win this game by ten points. Uh, <laughs> this one kind of slipped through the fingers of Pitt, but I, you know, it it sucks. It wasn't a fun. It wasn't an easy loss to digest. But credit to Pitt, man. Like without Kenny Pickett, and then Nick Patty goes out. Like to be in position where they were. And, and I mean, the way that that defense played in particular, I was really impressed with Pitt, at least through three quarters in this game. 
Um, I, I thought they played really well, and, and they were they were ready to surprise me and win the game. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, kind of impossible circumstances when your third string quarterback is now thrown to a fire in a bowl game against a top ten team, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty impossible circumstances. Michigan State didn't have Kenneth Walker the third in this game. Their star running back, and it showed, right? They non-sack adjusted, but 36 carries for 56 yards as a team. Uh, Michigan State really struggled to run the football. Pitt's defense has been good against the run this year, though. Mm-hmm. So definitely want to be clear with that. It wasn't all Michigan State missing Kenneth Walker a third, but yep. you know we got to mention it. And that was a significant loss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Pitt missed Kenny Pickett here, but only to a certain degree. I mean, I thought Bevel played pretty well. I, I thought Pittsburgh ran the ball better than I anticipated. Um, it took him like 32 carries to get to 104 yards, but Bevel had negative 30 yards when you take into account sacks, right? So they, they ran the ball a bit better than the raw stats indicate. Uh, and like you mentioned, you know, they had a lead in this game 21 to 10. And, you know, obviously the pick six ended up being huge there late, but, you know, Michigan State really just started throwing the ball a lot better in the second half. Um, Peyton Thorne, was much more efficient, finished 29 of 50 for 354 and three touchdowns. You know, that that's one of those things where it took Michigan State's offense a while to get going without Kenneth Walker the third. And once they did, I think the question was going to be whether or not Peyton Thorne could be less of a game manager and more of a guy who can who can go out there and win the game with his arm. And he was able to do that. Uh, we, we knew coming into this game that this was going to be a tough matchup for Michigan State's secondary. But we were going into that thinking that, man, they had trouble against some really good quarterbacks in the Big Ten this year, and they would struggle against Kenny Pickett. But I I think the fact that Michigan State's defense in the secondary struggled with Pitt's third-string quarterback tells you all you need to know about the weakness of Michigan State's defense and the Mm -hmm. reason why they didn't quite get over the hump to a Big Ten championship this year, right? And they had a really, really good season, and the future is definitely bright there. Mel Tucker was really building something, but... The reason why they're 11 and two and on the outside looking in for the 10 championship in the playoff is because their secondary was so weak mm-hmm. and it got exposed in conference play. Again, 11 and two is 11 and two, really good year. But we saw it once again, a bowl game against a third string quarterback. Like that's the reason why they, they were what they were this year. But to, to get the win in the bowl game without Kenneth Walker at third is significant. But Pitt played well too, you know, considering the circumstances. And it's unfortunate it slipped away. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I thought Pitt acquitted themselves really well here. Um, you know, there were a lot of really good moments. They had a, 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 a scoop six, a, a sack, strip sack, scoop six, basically, <laughs> to start the third quarter. Um, you know, that that helped them as well. So, I don't know. I, I was impressed with Pitt's defense. Um, you know, they, it, it got away from them at the end. But, yeah, you know, overall, really good season for the Panthers. Uh, this was a fun bowl game. You know, congrats to them. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. Yep. Uh, Michigan State 31, Pitt 21. Last one, Mike, from New Year's Eve. Uh, the number 17, Wake Forest, Steeman Deeks, 38, Rutgers 10 in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Um, this game was closer than I thought it was going to be for a while. Um, it was only 20 to 10 at halftime, and that was after Wake kicked a, uh, a field goal as time expired, basically. Um, they struggled to get separation for a while, and then into the second half, uh, they just sort of hit the gas, and uh, Rutgers had no answers at that point. So um, credit to the Deeks. This was supposed to be Texas A&M, which would have been a really fun game to watch, but um, Texas A&M had their own COVID issues. That's fine. Um, but overall, I mean, this was a, uh, you know, Wake didn't let this one get away from them, to be sure. So they won this game by four scores. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Wake went 11 and three, and Rutgers went five and eight. Mm-hmm. Right? We saw that, or why they were, you know, 10 and three and five and seven respectively going in, and why Rutgers. The only reason they got into the Gator Bowl is because Am couldn't play in it, right? And you know, you saw that. Like you mentioned, I, th- I think Wake knew they were the better team and just kind of slogged their way through the first half, and then it was pretty clear who the better team was in the second half. It was even it was even pretty apparent the first half who the better team was. Wake just didn't separate. Mostly because they just, I was trying to figure out if they wanted to be there, right? Because I think they knew mm-hmm. they'd beat Rutgers, kind of rolling the helmets out there. So I think that was kind of part of it. Uh, something significant to keep an eye on now. So another Wake Forest running back is the portal. Um, Christian Beal Smith, after this game, he had eight carries for 23 yards in this game. He's been one of their primary running backs all year long. Uh, he's moving on. So that's the second Wake Forest running back that's hit the portal now in the last couple of years. And we saw what Kenneth Walker III has done at Michigan State this past year. So mm-hmm. interested to see where Christian Beal Smith lands. Yeah, he he could be really good. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like what I've seen from him the last couple of years for Wake. Oh, um, he's been solid. Yeah, so we will see. Um, yeah, I don't have anything too exciting on this game. Um, I mean, it, it was what it was. It kind of got away from Rutgers entirely in the second half, and uh, Wake Forest just rolled. So. Credit to the Deeks, eleven and three. That's a hell of a season for them. A pretty good year, all things considered, right? Yeah. I mean, made a made a conference championship game appearance. You know, you were able to to get in over Clemson. You were able to beat Clemson, all that good stuff. So, mm-hmm. pretty solid year for Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. All right, uh, that's all I got here, Mike. Anything else? I think that's it. Wake thirty-eight. Rutgers 10 to close out bowl season. Um, so Mike, the ACC goes two and four in bowl games. Um, fairly disappointing, especially with a couple of those results in particular, you know, Virginia tech getting clobbered, uh, North Carolina kind of getting clobbered, uh, you know, but it is what it is. And, uh, it's a little bit of a continuation of what we saw from the ACC in last year's bowl season, but that was a, a little bit of a different circumstance as well. So, I don't know. I mean, are you are you too hung up on the bowl record at this point? It's hard to be with all the opt outs, like especially cancellations, cancellations opt outs. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett not playing the Peach Bowl. You know, that could have swung the outcome the other way, like I mentioned. Oh, it completely would have, in my opinion. Um, yeah, like I think Pittsburgh wins that game if Pickett's playing quarterback. Uh, thought that was a really hard matchup for Michigan State with him playing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's too it's kind of hard to put too much stock into the bowl record itself, and then considering the guys opting out and and the teams not able to play, two and four is fine. I, I didn't think the ACC went out and embarrassed themselves at all in the bowl season. Yeah, I mean there were there were a couple of those uh, you know close. Competitive I mean Virginia games. Tech. I mean Christ, <laughs> but outside of that, that was probably the biggest blowout of bowl season I would imagine. So yeah, and we can explain that one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. All right, Mike, I think that's all I've got on bowls. Anything else? National championship pick. I think I'm going with Alabama. Yeah. Um, I'll probably bet on Georgia for some emotional hedging because that's really the, the ultimate yeah, goal. That's at this how point. I feel too. It's, it's the last thing that Georgia tech fans can hang over Georgia's head is that yeah. uh, there's a more recent national title that Georgia tech has. But other than that, um, you know, so I'll, I'll bet, Georgia's emotional hedging, but like, I think I'm, I think I'm picking Alabama and the reason is what they're able to do with their passing offense as compared to what Georgia is. Um, yeah. I think between the receivers and the quarterback combo, um, 
I just I like Bryce Young a lot more than Stetson Bennett. I don't really think either team is going to run the ball particularly well or particularly a lot in this game. I think it's going to come down to who's a better passing team and p- passing defense. And I think Georgia's, you know, any the, the holes that they have on the defense, if you can even call them holes, are in the secondary. And right. I think Alabama's got a better quarterback, so I think the tide wins. But, I mean, I could see it going either way. With the except, The only thing I couldn't see happening in this game is Georgia winning in a blowout. Right. Right. I don't think they don't see that either. 10 points. So I don't see that either. Um, not having John could potentially mm-hmm. be significant. I don't, I don't know though. Like it's really hard to bet against a bet against Nick Saban in the SEC championship game. Came back, bit me in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, a stat to keep in mind, I put this on social media. So there have been 20, 24 occurrences in which a regular season matchup has then had a rematch in a bowl game uh, dating back to the 1944 Orange Bowl, Jeffy. Hmm. And it includes, so there were two regular season ties, right? So I, I don't want to count those two games. So let's say for the sake of argument, there were 22 of these games where there was a win-loss in the regular season, and then there was a rematch in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. In those 22 games dating back to 1944, the team that has lost in the regular season has won the bowl game 15 to 7. Hmm. So it's really all that to say it's hard to bet against Nick Saban. It's also hard to beat a team twice um, in in one year. And especially when you consider the fact that these two teams just played each other about a month ago, you know, Um, and really only had one other game of film in the semifinal. So it's going to be really interesting. And we've really only seen one coach beat Nick Saban in this kind of game, right? And it's been Dabo. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we haven't seen his – I mean, Kirby's been close. You know, we, Kirby has definitely been close. But we haven't seen Saban go down in a playoff or national championship game as consistently as he has against Dabo. And even that's not too consistent. I think it's, what, 2-1, and 2-2, two two two, like mm-hmm. that is record against Dabo. So – it's going to be really interesting to see if Kirby Smart can pull this off. And I'm with you. I, I think Bama probably wins because it's just really hard to bet against Saban. But I think if you're going to bet this game, right, and you're not sure if you're going to pick against Saban, I think you go ahead, you, you bet Bama money line, but bet Georgia first half. Because I think mm-hmm. that could be a path to, to making some money here. If you're not sure if Georgia can finish the drill, but you think they'll be competitive for four quarters, I think that's that's the route you go. And then depending on how you pick it, I, I think if you're picking Georgia money line for the game, I think it almost has to go under. I think the total is like 52, 52 and a half right now. I think that's the path for Georgia is that it stays under. That's their best path, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if it gets a little points, see, I think that obviously favors Bama with a Heisman Trophy quarterback. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I was thinking that too is, you know, I think the, the more of a shootout it turns into, again, the more it benefits the team as the better quarterback. Of course, um, you know, so that's part of my thought, too, is I, I kind of like the over 52, um, yeah. 52 and a half. I, I will say this, too, and I think there's something really interesting about this is I, I was listening uh, earlier today to the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast mm-hmm. and uh, the bear dropped a little nugget. And I forget what the exact number was, but he said, you know, under Kirby Smart, Georgia has played Alabama four times and they're 0 and 4. Um and what he said was, from the point in each of those games, 
I think this was maybe it was cover three. I can't remember who it was. But anyways, from the point in each of those games where uh, Georgia had their biggest lead and they had a lead in every single one of those games from the point in those games where they had the biggest lead starting from there, Alabama has won those games 105 to 17 or something like that. Yikes. Yeah. Which to me, I think speaks a little bit to uh, some of the in-game adjustments and coaching that Saban and his staff make as compared to what Kirby and his staff make. So yep, Georgia. And I think that feeds into what you're saying too, of Georgia first half of, um, you know, they've, they've come out quick in all these games. Like they'll get some points on the board pretty quickly. Um, it's just that that's not the end of the game. So, right. Right. Can they do it for four quarters? Can they get a pass rush this time? Right. Mm-hmm. Can they get a consistent pass rush on Bryce young? Like, we saw Auburn do it, and then the very next week, Georgia couldn't. <laughs> Georgia's got a better front seven than Auburn, mm-hmm. indisputably. Mm-hmm. So that'll be that'll be the, the 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 interesting point here in this game. And I, yeah, I I think this will be a better game than the SEC championship. I think it will be a good national championship game. I hope it is. Right, some of that's hope, but I think it will. Be, I think it will be a better game, more competitive game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I do think Georgia has a shot. It's hard to beat the same team twice, but mm-hmm. it's also hard to beat Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, Saban's been a head coach and one of the best head coaches for how long? And has had right. how many former assistants right. go on to be head coaches? And right, they can't beat them. <laughs> I mean, it took yeah twenty some tries for one of them to to win one of those games. Like, so I don't know. Maybe it happens a second time this year. We'll see. But yep, you know, roll tide. That's all I got. To hell with Georgia. To hell with Georgia. My man. I don't really care. I don't care who wins here. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll just side with you. I'll go on the BAM side of it. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. If I'm depressed I'm on make Tuesday some, morning, that's why. I'm just trying to make some money. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's. I mean, I don't have a dog. In the, I don't have a dog in the fight here. Yeah. Eh, well, that's there's a pun there. But anyway. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Indirectly. There you go. Yeah. Mike, let's get out of here. Uh, that's all we've got on uh, on bowl season. As mentioned, we are uh, going to continue recording to the offseason, so keep your podcast machine tuned here. Uh, in the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SOS. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, you can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns, your offers to help with the uh, Tell Us About Your School series. Send all of that to the longest email address known to man at basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. Hit that follow button, the subscribe button. Rate us on Spotify, especially, please, if you haven't. Uh, that would really help us out a lot. We appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Check us out on Instagram. And yeah, rate us, review us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. We would love that. We would love that. Uh, Mike, anything else? I think we're good. I guess we'll talk. We'll try to talk next week. Maybe there's some news and news and notes and yeah. talk about the national championship and we'll try to uh, kick off the off season the best we can. Yeah, I think so. We'll, uh, we'll come back and, and you know, there'll be some news and notes. We got to recap our season, you know, with our picks and how everything went. Um, but yeah, kind of work into the off season a little bit and uh, you know, kind of set the table and go from there. So keep it tuned yep. here. We'll have more, more episodes for you coming. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate all of your support this season. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Closing time, every new beginning comes from
from some other beginnings and